Welcome to this latest Adelante Initiative podcast. I'm Ian Welsh, and this is part of a series of podcasts exploring some different aspects of the initiative, the platform dedicated to creating safe and productive work practices in the sugarcane industry and beyond. The Adelante Initiative researches into causes of and potential ways to mitigate chronic kidney disease of undetermined causes, known as CKDU, in sugarcane workers. The kidney disease has been linked to hard work in high temperatures. In this episode, I'll be investigating some of the history of knowledge of kidney disease in sugarcane workers and hearing directly how the disease has affected one family of workers in Nicaragua. The Adelante Initiative's research involves working in communities that have been impacted by the effects of CKDU. Recently, I was privileged to speak with a representative of just such a community. I'm with William Martinez. He is an engineer and finishing his master's in occupational health. And he's a part of La Isla Network's Nicaraguan field team that supports the coordination of their research activities at a community level. William, why are you involved in the Adelante Initiative? Anteriormente, eh, viví un evento donde mi papá falleció por enfermedad renal. Some years ago, my father passed away and other family members. And when so much of my family had died due to this disease, you know, I had the objective to do something to help the workers to not expose themselves to the conditions of extreme work that we know contributes to the onset of CKU. And the Adelante Initiative's objectives are very focused on supporting all workers, regardless of race, political, or religious thought. And there's this network of experts that are supporting the creation of the occupational health program in the field. And, you know, I feel with my experience and my knowledge, I also want to contribute to implementing these intervention and programs with the workers and ultimately help improve the living conditions of the Nicaraguan families here. Thank you. What is your experience of the effects of CKDU? It's a very sad experience for me because in my life I've had to see relatives, including my uncles, cousins, my own father, and many friends fall ill to kidney disease. And little by little their, their health deteriorated until ultimately they died. And once my father died from CKDU, it's been one of my goals to learn more about this disease and be able to contribute my experiences and my knowledge in supporting improved working conditions so that other workers can maintain good health and enjoy being with their loved ones. How have you seen it impact your community more broadly? In my community, I've seen how this disease ends the dreams of entire families. You know, the parents are unable to provide a better standard of living for their children. So those children of those individuals who passed away due to this disease, they lose their dreams and they lose their professional aspirations. You know, the children are ultimately forced to dedicate themselves to working from a very early age instead of pursuing their studies. And single mothers are forced then to find work to provide food for their children. And that often takes them to have to look for work elsewhere by being away from their families and looking for employment opportunities. You know, the consequences is the children lose that family emotional support and, and family values. So the youth's reality is that a family member or a community member, they work, they get sick, and then they die from CKDU. How are you seeing this appalling situation changing? How has it changed over the years? 
So if we travel back in time and, and place ourselves 10 years ago and compare it with the present, we, we realize that the mortality rate has decreased greatly. And there are many factors that have influenced this. You know, the working conditions in the field at, in Genio San Antonio have greatly improved. There are interventions that help prolong the lives of people already affected with CKDU such as hemodialysis or peritoneal dialysis. Uh, in San Antonio, the Adelante Initiative is also having a very significant impact in that we are interacting directly with the workers in the field. And that allows us to know what risks they are exposed to and allows us as a team to have a, a better idea of developing an effective intervention plan. So the workers are contributing a lot and understand what we are doing via the Adelante Initiative to help them. And as a result, you know, with great enthusiasm, the workers support these improvements that are being made in, in their working conditions. Finally, what are your hopes for the future now? My hope is to help create social projects in the community to help the people who are already sick with CKDU. So currently, what we're doing is we're helping a lot of healthy workers so they don't get sick. But with people who already have CKDU, what are they going to do? That's the question I think about every day. And I'm convinced that supporting and developing community projects that can contribute to decent work and improvements in their living conditions, along with better medical assistance, will help prolong their life. Thank you, William Martinez, for sharing your powerful personal experiences. Thank you. And my thanks to the Isla Network's Scott Montagna for his translation. We'll hear more from William a bit later on. Now, here's La Isla Network's CEO, Jason Glazer, one of the Adelante Initiative's founders, on the history of knowledge about CKDU in tropical agricultural workers. He was speaking from Nicaragua while undertaking in-the-field research, as you will hear from the background birdsong. I asked him to give some detail about the chronology of CKDU studies. You know, back in the 80s, in Nicaragua and Costa Rica, clinicians were already reporting this. And specifically in Costa Rica, they were calling it sugarcane nephropathy. And I think that's pretty interesting. But I think before that, even if, if you look at these old South African mining study, there's one really great study from South Africa. And these guys have had de-stress events and they, some years later, develop chronic disease. And the biopsies are tough to look at because they're you know over 40 years old, almost 50 years old, they're from 1970. But it's a real indication that the idea that heat could cause chronic disease and heat events, acute events could cause chronic diseases, pretty well understood, but I don't think people remembered or took into account that this could still be happening and that these kind of invisible populations, these vulnerable populations, could have that be happening to them now, you know, in the 21st century. It's an unpleasant thought. And then when did the real, like, more formal studies get going? There's a great study in El Salvador, I think in 99 or around 2000, at the Central Hospital Rosales with a wonderful, wonderful nephrologist, Ricardo Leva. You know, he's still the head nephrologist at that hospital, taking that disease on and really on the front lines uh, with his co-workers there. And he's a real hero, an unsung hero. And it's a great study. And he's not got enough credit for that. So Ricardo Leva, look him up. Wonderful man. And then, you know, early prevalence work really started with the kind of the Swedish Central American collaboration that is SALTRA, which roughly translates into 
worker health and the environment. And it's a network of Central American universities and researchers. Inika Katerina Wessling is the founder of that with others. They really set up the first prevalence studies, which is what we later used as a basis of our degree study internationally to look at, look at the disease internationally through prevalence studies. You know, those showed really clearly way back then that there was something to do with the altitude and the lowlands being hotter and those who worked in those lowlands being more at risk. From fairly early on, it was pretty clear there was an occupational aspect of this disease, which was kind of ignored for quite a long time. The first occupational community cohort studies were kick-started and or begun by us. I think our attitude was a lot of people have ideas about this disease. I think I'd be lying if it didn't drive me insane uh, <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> you know, researchers, industry people, government people, they, they've all got their idea. But like almost nobody's got really good quality data to take that idea to the point of being a hypothesis and then testing that hypothesis, right? I mean, that's what science is all about, says the guy that used to work in film. And what we realized and what we were annoyed with is like, if you want to really figure this out, you need to follow people in their home communities. And you also need to follow people where the exposure seems to be strongest and where the most people who you find in the communities are sick. Like, where do they work? What's going on? What's different about them? And it's, it's the job. It's the job. You know, I mean, again, it's the job. And so what can we do to make those jobs better? That's kind of the history. I think in the big picture, we came in kind of the last third, but we've done some great work and there's been some important work by Boston University as well over the years and others, and that's going to continue. And I hope they find things that illuminate this. But there's just, a, frankly, there's a long way to go because for too long, this thing did not have enough funding. It did not have enough support or buy-in. There was obviously massive industry resistance and even governmental resistance because it's very, very expensive for governments to take on and acknowledge. It is only now where we're starting to see like somewhat significant funding for it and, and able to do something with it. But my hope is we take that research now, though, and, and really what we do with it is we tease out the most salient parts that actually have something applicable in the workplace or in the community setting, you know, keeping an open mind. Maybe there's something going on back home, too, that we haven't dug up, but so far nothing. But what findings are most salient to prevent this thing? That really has to be the focus. And too often, it's not. Dr. Katharina Wesseling is a Costa Rica-based research scientist who has worked with Jason Glazer and his La Isla Network colleagues. Known as Inica, she was studying effects on workers of exposure to pesticides in the early 1990s when she first came across chronic kidney problems in farm workers. I asked her to give a bit of personal insight into how what came to be known as CKDU was first identified. It was identified by workers, clinicians, and I also think by company people in sugarcane companies. And that was in the 1990s. It was evident that there was an increase in fatal kidney disease. And at that time, I was working on my PhD in pesticide issues. I was going around about Paraquat and then workers called me from a sugarcane company. They said they had this fatal kidney disease. Well, it was a bad timing and I forgot about it actually because I thought it had nothing to do with pesticides, what they were telling. And I didn't pay enough attention. But actually that was in 1993 already that they were looking for help. And then in 2000, there is a publication from a Nicaraguan clinician who worked uh, as the company doctor at the sugarcane uh, company. 
And he made a study. He was also of the fac- on the faculty of, of the university in Lyon in Nicaragua. He made a study, a very early study, comparing workers with kidney disease and workers without kidney disease. And that study was actually also forgotten or buried or whatever. But already at that time, the companies were starting with screening workers for their kidney function. And it was clear that there was something strange going on. I asked Inika what progress has been made more recently and to outline why heavy labourers in the tropics are affected by CKDU. The insights in what is happening, at least in Central America, they are much better now than 15 years ago. It's clear that heat stress, occupational heat stress, has to do with this disease. The most affected workers are those that work in a very hot climate, at the same time have an enormous physical load in their work. Sugarcane cutters, you can see them as a sentinel population. They are working in the hottest climatic conditions possible, and at the same time their energy expenditure is comparable to half marathon runners, only that they do it every day, or to military operations, multi-day military operations. It's the hardest job I know. So the combination of those two factors causes an excessive exposure to heat, external and internal heat, and that causes dehydration and alterations of the whole renal system and leads, in the end, to chronic kidney disease. So the link between hard work and high temperatures and risks of chronic kidney problems seems clear. I asked Inika if this is an issue solely of concern for the sugarcane sector or if workers in other commodity supply chains or industries are also at risk. To start with the sugarcane sector, not all workers are equally affected. You can see a gradient from no physical effort and working in the same hot environment to that extreme physical effort. And you can see a gradient of number of people or percentages of people that get ill. So there's really a kind of dose response in heat stress. Other studies that have looked into other occupations, there just came out one in Nicaragua about brick-making workers, workers that are in facilities that make bricks, that put bricks in ovens outside, outside work. And they have also a very high prevalence of kidney disease. That was not recognized until now. We have seen it in construction workers, also in other agricultural workers. There's a report about corn workers, or corn farmers, cotton workers. Cotton has now practically disappeared from Central America. But those who worked in cotton also got affected. But we have not seen much in subsistence farmers. So people who have small lots and define their own time work when, when it is cooler. Because, well, if you are your own subsistence farmer, nobody's going to tell you when you have to work, when you can rest. It's another dynamic uh, than working on, on a farm where you are an agricultural worker and you have to produce or you're paid by the piece or how much you cut or how much you produce. It's very different. And then we see that in subsistence farmers, there's no or very little kidney dysfunction. That is another indication that occupational heat stress is one of the main drivers or the main driver in the region. We'll hear more from Inika in future podcasts. 
To finish up, let's go back to William Martinez. I asked him what he hopes the outcomes from the work of the Adelante Initiative will be. What are your expectations of its outcomes, or the outcomes of the Adelante Initiative? So my expectations is to improve the living conditions of all the workers and in turn all their families and, and the broader community. And by decreasing the number of workers who fall ill to CKDU and improving their overall health, these workers can continue to work for many more years than they currently are. So the impact goes beyond the San Antonio sugar mill. So for example, due to the positive results that we have from the Adelante program, we're seeing the effect in the entire community. So as the workers have better health, they're in a position to encourage their children to pursue, for example, their education. And my expectation is that this will ensure a better opportunity for them. Yeah, additionally, the, the psychological damage to knowing that someone in your family is sick will decrease, and, and that is an extremely important outcome. I can think of no better way to highlight the impacts of CKDU than William's powerful testimony. Clearly, the Adelante Initiative has a vitally important job to do. In the next podcast, we will talk more about who's involved in the initiative and why, and in particular, how the interests of the different stakeholders have evolved. For now, though, my thanks to Jason, Inika, William and Scott for their time. I've been Ian Welsh, and many thanks for listening. <laughs>